Welcome to the ICTUS Marketing Podcast. We're on episode number three. This is the podcast for people looking for a way to find their audience, make connections, and change direction through marketing strategy. We have two great guests for you today. Matt Leeds is the president and founder and owner of White Frog Design Studios in Redlands, California. And he has with him David Carnes, who is is his numbers guy, his accountant, his CFO. Uh, This is a fun interview. Matt Leeds is a super smart guy, and uh, it's really funny and fun to talk with. And David is our resident philosopher for the day. So here we go, episode number three. Thank you, Matt Leeds, um, for doing this a second time. This is take two for this. this Deja interview. vu mode. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's going to be even better this time. Because there's... Oh, I can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, David Cards, you're here too. So, Matt, you're, you're the owner of White Frog Studios, or White Frog Design Firm. And Matt, you're, or David, you're the numbers guy, the, uh, the accountant, the CFO. Um, thank you both for being here. I, let's just start out with Matt. Tell me a little bit about White Frog and what you do uh, for clients. So White Frog is a consulting firm that provides creative services to companies. What that means is a company comes to us looking to reinvent themselves, to rebrand themselves, to Uh, launch a new product into the market or to even just start a company from scratch and needs a partner in the process of thinking through some major decisions things from what do we name ourselves to what products do we create to who who buys this from us and what point do we sell it with what price and what materials do we use it to do that what message supports it and what brand do we really need to create that causes this whole thing to work. So you do everything. I mean, you're very strategic in what you do for clients. And so you, you'll help them. Um, what you've said before is you help them think. Right. Which is, which is a cool thing that we're going to get into in a little bit. Um, but you'll do, yes. you'll do branding. You'll do design work and, and website building and um, even content creation. You've done that for clients. Yep, that content right? creation. That's you know vegetable, animal, mineral. We, we yeah, do it all. I can tell this interview is going to go even better because we all have a glass of beer. Yeah, uh, you in, can't say that FCC is in, in, in celebration of Oktoberfest. So yeah. this is this is going to be Oktoberfest. That's always. I don't know if I just don't know the correct thing, but I always felt like Oktoberfest should be in October. Mm. I've never understood it, but I looked it up once, and it it's just a German celebration. That happens at the end of, I think it has to do with harvest. Bringing October in, yeah, it's like, like the that. new year. Uh, I don't know. End of September, know. early October. All right, well then to the to the October. Yeah, to the yeah excellent. Well, um, Matt, one of the things that we talked about in a previous conversation was that I asked you about, you know, some of the mistakes that you've made in. Um, in building this business and one of the things that you said was you started 
in 2007, which was kind of an uh, inopportune time to start a business in the, in the way the economy has gone. Yes. Yeah. So can you ta talk a little bit about what kinds of things that you did to survive that economic recession differently than you would have otherwise? Well, the, 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 perhaps the best reason of why White Frog survived such a horrible time when virtually everything, and I mean everything, was, was getting cut across the board. And marketing is something that people cut right, right away. I mean, yeah, our clients, the marketing industry itself, you know, was, was hurt second only to construction and realtors. Mm. Uh, once a business starts to get in trouble financially, their first place they want to cut and the easiest place to cut is that advertising budget, that marketing budget. You know, the, the $10,000 a month uh, advertisement they pay to get into a specific magazine. Yeah. So it doesn't get out there a month or two in a row. Yeah. Okay, no big deal. But when it starts to go beyond that, when, when the marketing efforts start to slow down, then the effectiveness of the marketing saturation dries up. And the residual effect of that is that marketing firms tend to dry up and, and start to disappear. Yeah. Uh, that happened quite a bit. There used to be, you know, 15 or so larger m marketing firms in, in the, you know, 25 mile radius. And now there's you know, two to three yeah. uh, of, that, of that caliber. And that's just a sign of what the economy did. And then what we did uh, to survive, honestly, was we were scaled uh, down. And we never scaled up until uh, we, uh, we we needed it. Our, our 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 lesson is that if we had gone into the reset into the Great Recession uh, with a full staff with full operations running, I don't know that we would have cut back as far as we would have needed to to survive through that time. And you saw clients who you saw some clients who cut that marketing budget. Um, to their own detriment because the recession lasted a long time and cutting your marketing is a short-term fix right. that leads to long-term problems. Absolutely. Um, but then you also saw clients and I think I've, you know, I've, I've seen case studies where companies did the opposite where they, they said, okay, all of it's, our competitors are cutting their marketing budget. We're going to do the opposite and to amp things to up. double down. And, and the, the companies that, 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 did the proactive approach of increasing their marketing budget or even just staying the same, mm -hmm. of saying, we're going to weather this. Uh, they did so because they had huge cash reserves. They did so because their target audience didn't disappear. You know, some target audiences just plain disappeared. Like the, the market for Hummers just disappeared. Yeah, so right. Hummer went out of business. There was no way to save that. Yeah. The, uh, you know, there's two ways that companies that they decided to go if they decided to increase their marketing budget. It was let's increase what we currently are doing, or let's increase what we are currently doing in a way that fits the new model for the economy. So, you know, companies that used to really promote, you know, a ten dollar meal are now promoting the five dollar footlongs. Ah, yeah. They're they're promoting a similar product, but for a price point at least half as much to re-engage that target audience that has pulled back. And those are the companies that really saw the increase. The companies that just kept on pr promoting the $10 Doing meals, the same thing they've always done. Doing the same thing they've always done. They're the ones that just went right. bupkis. Yeah, yeah. 
That means they went out of business. It's a technical <laughs> term. Focus. That's good. Um, okay, well, you showed me, when I first came here several weeks ago, you showed me something that you have built over the years that I was just really fascinated with um, called the black boxes. It's a, it's a process that you take clients through to bring them, to help them think. Um, can you kind of describe that black boxes? Sure. Idea? So the black boxes process is the concept, and it that, goes it goes well with the white frog, right? right? The <laughs> the whole black white uh, analogy or yeah. duology. Uh, the, the the concept of the black boxes is that the value of the information gathering process is just as important as the work that's being created, and and case in point is that. When we do the black boxes, we go to a client, we go to a business, we go to an organization, and we want to know who the key stakeholders are in that organization, who's going to be involved in making this a success. And we need them for their input, we need them for their insight, we need them for their buy-in. Why? Why do you need a, a larger group of, of people involved in that process? So, I mean, a larger group of people is, is critical for something to be adopted by an organization. Just like transplanting an organ in a human body, you know, if if it if if you bring in something from the outside and the other parts don't want to play with it, it's just going to die. Right. Yeah. And that's what we don't want from a marketing plan, from a, a marketing concept, from a brand, is that we want to to know what fits this organization, what gets these people in here excited, what is their passion, what you know, even if it's got a couple layers of dust on it, what can we kick around and what can we bring up that that gets back to the vision and to the reason that you know this company has has what it has so far. And you need everybody kind of rowing in the same direction. I, and you know, I've, I'm teeing you up there with the uh, the fact that on the execution side, mm -hmm. if people haven't been involved on the planning side, it's going to be much more difficult to execute that plan because it's not their plan. There's and no ownership. There's yeah, no they, pride. they're just handed it and. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of companies make when they, when they write a marketing plan. They just tell the marketing director to write a marketing plan and present it to everyone. That doesn't work. It doesn't because the marketing director or the person who drafts the marketing plan is living in a little vacuum. And they're able to see the marketing plan from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm teeing David up for something else so he can get his wheels spinning. He's got a great story. Yeah. So I'm teeing up David with the fact that this marketing person is writing a marketing plan that makes sense to them because they went to marketing plan writing school and they got a college degree in marketing plan writing. Yeah. However, once they get to that organization, if they don't have the insight from the other people and the perspective from the other people in that room and from outside the, the room, outside the business, it's, it's not going to have the depth and the, the detail and, and really the vision that is necessary. And even the mechanics knowledge. Absolutely, I mean, even the mechanics. And, and you know, part of what I sit down and talk with designers and, and branders that we work with is that when you go to a business, you have to be able to look at it and say, what I'm looking at is just what's there so far. It's not what this company is. And you have to be able to have, sit back and say, I'm going to change reality. Mm -hmm. I'm going to change who they are 
based on what they tell me, not on what I see so far. And that, that story of reality brings us to David Socrates. the, David uh, the Plato, philosopher. Plato, Plato the David, the, David, David the beer drinking yeah. Plato. Here, here. <laughs> so it, you need that outside perspective. You can't do it from, from the inside. This is, this is the microphone? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm getting we turned up school here on how to how to talk into the microphone. Uh, you need that outside perspective because just from the inside, uh, you know, you get that group that everybody's been looking at the same problem the same way. Uh, we analogized it to Plato's the cave. You got guys are kind of chained to a wall in a cave. They can only see one wall. They can see the the light. They've that been there all their life. They've right, never seen any, up, anything they, else. All they know is this wall, and their reality is. The light that has shined over their head or from the outside, from fire, from the sun, shining through life, people walking by, animals, you know, their, their entire experience is the shadows that are cast on that wall. So they think... That's life. That is, their, that is reality. That's their, all they know. Their reality, all they know is the shadows on the wall. Right. And without the outside perspective, and Plato um, you know, said that the philosopher is the one who comes in and says, hey, turn around, you know, free you from your shackles. Turn around, there's a great big world out there, come see it. And they you know, don't believe him. This is what they know. This, you know, there is nothing greater than the shadows that is life. It's the two-dimensional, you know, what we call flatland in some of the, uh, you know, the new versions of the story. Uh, they just don't understand the three-dimensional. They don't understand the great big world outside. So that, that outside perspective is, is critical. You know, and I've seen it in a number of you know, big organizations I've been in. Uh, elsewhere too that it's just people start to see things the same way you start to think about it and you can try real hard but you, it takes a really special person on the inside to get that outside perspective or you just you need well, an outside that, that kind of firm, brings us yeah. to the value of, of a company like White Frog because that's what you do is you provide that outside perspective right and that, that brings us you know part of being a creative consultant like we we do is you know giving people that inspiration helping them open up and and have that aha moment and i think one of the things is helpful for that is is illustrations examples and quotes i think are a, a big one and the one that fits mm -hmm. for this situation is helen keller who said it's better to be blind than to have sight and no vision mm -hmm. it's a lot of people think they're seeing things but they're not under, they, they, they don't know what they're seeing. They don't have a vision for what things could they're be. They're looking at the shadows on the wall. Right, and they're stuck on making a yeah. better shadow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you know, Henry Ford said, you know, if I had listened to what people had wanted, I would have made a faster horse. Right. Yes. And, and it's not going after what people want, and that's not necessarily what you know. It's how do we revolutionize and, and look at this in a, an entirely different framework. Yeah. It's probably apocryphal, but you know, Steve Jobs was known for saying, didn't wasn't trying to make a better whatever at the time. You know, people didn't know they wanted the iPod until they saw the iPod. Right. They, and then of course you want it, but they just it wasn't on the on the radar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and and I use the analogy of if you're standing behind an elephant and all you've known is the rear end of that elephant, um, you've never seen any other part of the elephant. Then when someone tells you to draw an elephant. You're going to draw the, this giant rear end of an elephant. But someone else who sees the front of an elephant with the trunk and with eyes and ears and everything, they're going to draw a very different picture of that elephant. And that's what you guys 
uh, at White Frog are able to help clients do. You help them think, you help them see in ways that they probably are not able to see themselves because they're on the inside. And that's the importance of the, the process. Like talk about, you know, we hammer on process that that's the important results are great, but you need to learn how to think. You know, you need to learn that's how to think an about interesting point to me too, because that was one of the things that fascinated me most about the black boxes um, process that you've built is that it is, I mean, it comes out in the end, you get a, a result. Um, you guys are able to give the result of a new brand, of a new strategy, a new website, whatever that is, but the effort and the focus is at least equally placed on the process of getting there. Mm -hmm. And that's different than a lot of organizations, the way a lot of organizations think. Right, and, and some people get taken aback by that. You know, it's a three-month set of meetings, and the first month and a half is you don't get anything. We're just yeah. asking questions. And yeah. The, the clients are, are saying, "Are we on schedule? What's what's going on here? And like, when do we see a logo? You know, that's yeah. They, they want to see a logo the first meeting, and it's let's reset the expectation. You don't get a logo until we know what we're trying to communicate. And because the, the logo, logo with, is just a visual communication. Yeah, the logo without the process is almost meaningless. It's, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's just a hieroglyph. It's just a. It's not a brand. Something. It can look cool. It can look dumb. Yeah. It can have a lot of feelings in itself, and this isn't to knock logo designers. It's it, a logo isn't a brand. A logo represents a brand. That's the yeah. the, the line in the sand. Okay, so I want to I want to go and just make a comment on. I think there are a lot of companies that comment will, sections below. <laughs> yes, <comment. laughs> um, it, with today's technology, you can go to guru.com or whatever other website mm -hmm. and find someone in. A different country, uh, India or in Indonesia or wherever, to you hire them. I think a lot of companies hire them to make a logo for them, and I think that's a mistake mm -hmm. because of the larger belief that branding is more than just a logo. Mm -hmm. um, and you and I agree on this, but talk a little bit about what you believe is a brand. Well, when we talk about branding, I think most people before they start to sit down and understand what they're thinking, they come with the assumption that a brand is really the historic meaning of it, that it's a brand that you would give a, a, an animal, that you would give livestock, that you would use to market for a specific ranch. Or like for the a branding iron. The branding iron. Into, I... the, and, and you know, it's not so much popular these days to brand people with the branding iron. Yes. Um, they might really have bring like a t-shirt or something or yeah. a hat with the logo on it. Tattoos are a little but, bit. But uh, you know, those brands used to associate uh, the livestock with the, the ranch and, uh, you know, the double K or the circle K or, you know, the... The David Carnes. So yeah. before, before this conversation, I never yeah. put that together. That that's where that that's word comes from. You a brand. You, a Americans branding. are great. Wow, you know, about uh, violent, you know violently branding animals with a hot poker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the the the, uh, the nexus of the the concept of the brand is that these cows or these livestock used started to be known for certain attributes. Some of them had really good leather for leather making. Some of them had really soft meat for for uh, for eating. Others were really good for milking. Uh, and then the brands started to have associations with them. Um, and then fast forward to... This ranch provides a, 
a cow that's really good to eat. Or yeah. They feed, so they feed their cows in a certain way. I know this because of their brand. It's, got a, good, uh, yeah. it's got a good reputation. It gives a good experience mm. for X. And that's where we, we draw the inspiration from is the brand becomes the experience. The, it represents what the experience is going to be for that user, the expectation. Then that person can get excited and say, yes, this is the experience I'm going to have because I'm, I'm using this brand. And that's, I mean, that's something that I think companies, a lot of companies, big and small, don't often get that a brand is more than a logo. It is a promise of an experience and the delivery of that experience. Mm -hmm. So if you just have a fancy looking logo, that's not a brand because um, you've had no experience with that. Yeah, and, and we say experience, we say promise. I, I, a word I like to say is expectation. Okay. And and there's the belief in the branding community that you don't tell your customers what your brand is. Your customers tell you what your brand is because it's their experience that creates the brand. Right. You, however, are the organization or the, the company that's setting up that experience. Now, you have two examples of that when you talk mm -hmm. about... Uh, Disney and Nike. Right. Disney and Nike are two good examples to talk about branding. Uh, they're huge brands. So when we talk about execution, they're horrible examples because people don't have the budgets to brand like Disney and Nike brand. Sure. And the execution. So they're bad for tactics to follow. They're okay. great for strategy. Okay. So let's just start on that side. With Disney, their brand, if you sit down and you try to think about it, it's it's not movies. It's not cartoon characters. It's not theme parks it's not uh it's not something you know uh, over overcharging parents for memorabilia and collectibles if you look at the the documentation and what they sat down for their vision disney's brand is entertaining the child within and i think that's one of the most salient phrases of any marketing plan could could put is uh, that single sentence embodies all of their activities. Entertaining the child within. Yeah, it provides alignment to to anyone who works inside <laughs> that organization. They, they know what their purpose is there. At so their brand is not the mouse ears. It's not the mouse ears. But the mouse ears represent that. They represent that. And uh, that's that's uh, a great study. The second study is with Nike. And, uh, you know, as, as David, you know, we were talking earlier, Nike's brand is that they are they have an enemy. And the enemy of Nike is great is, is failure. And so everyone is fighting to avoid failure. Just do it is a phrase that you need when you're worried about failure. You're worried about not being in charge. Because Nike isn't advertising to be you know, the greatness, that you're the number one. Mm -hmm. um, it only, only number ones can wear, wear us. That's how they advertise. Because they're advertising not to the number ones out there. They're advertising to number two and, and down, to right. the masses. The but people. they're saying that you could be like this and we can right. help you get Be there. like Mike. Right. You know? yeah, be Just like. do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, their advertisements aren't about the technology, about the air pockets and, and the Nike Air and the extra bounce mm -hmm. you get when you're playing and the extra endurance. It's, it's, it's none of that. It's, it's simple. It's sophisticated. It's, you're going to get to greatness. It's self-expressive it. almost. Mm -hmm. When... When you wear our Nike shoes, you you will feel like the number one. You will. We can help you f be this this kind of person, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. What's interesting about Just Do It is it puts the, the impetus on the, the listener, too, on the reader. It's, it's on you. you know? And I think that that does tie in with that aspirational nature that you are empowered. Right. While you have a command, you're empowered. Yeah. Brands yeah. live between the ears. You know? yeah. <laughs> we have to process it. And it has to, it has to live inside of us for it to be a brand. Brands live between the ears. I'm going to write that down. I think that we'll put that in the show. Not like yours and my ears, like right. Matt's ears between Matt's and okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Had to be clear on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also talked a little bit, you know, the, the people who listen to this podcast, I'm kind of gearing it toward the people who are, you know, maybe just starting out with an idea. They want to do something. They want to create something and sell it. Or maybe they just want, they have an idea that they want to implement in their job or you know they want to do something for their community and they don't know how to um, can we talk just a little bit about some of the advice you would give those kinds of people if you were to take yourself back to 2007 when sure. you started this company what kinds of things would you tell that person I would tell that person the best thing you can possibly do is get input from the people that you need to approve what it is that you'd like to do down the road or, or help implementing it. What do you mean? So if you're doing stuff for like a, a, the local city and you want to uh, design a poster campaign, don't just design the poster campaign and then show it to people. That's going to be uh, pushing them back. They're going to withdraw from it because you're advancing onto them and showing them what, what you want them to be saying. The, the better way to approach the situation is to engage with the person before you create anything and talk about them what their messages are, what, what they feel is important. You get their buy-in, you get their insight. So when you come back, you're not saying, look what, uh, look what I'm telling you to say. Yeah. You're saying, look what you've told me to say and look what's being said. It's, it's similar to what you talked about before in, that, in the black boxes yeah. process that you've got to get the users involved and so. that's just the, exactly the same same uh, same path for someone starting a business or someone starting a uh, new product is get a focus group of customers get some distributors who might be interested in reselling your product get their advice on what you're planning on doing and see what they would say because hmm. when you go to launch it they'll say hey this person's smart enough to get my advice and I see that plus sometimes it's really good advice just to be honest and you know, coming from the outside, I have to tell this to myself. I whisper it. I say, Matt, sometimes you don't know everything. <laughs> and I have to use other people for for help on that one. And it's, things always turn out better when I do. So. Yeah, yeah. What are you looking for? Stop, in a- st- stop smiling, David. I, I'm just saying we try not to whisper. We say yeah. it a little louder. But I think there's good advice in what we've talked about previously about... Um, Nonprofits, not specifically targeted at them, although there's some good lessons to be learned there. So you're gonna make me say it again? Oh, I am. Okay. Um, but I think the line. that's good. There's there's a belief that you should give away your work to build connections, and you can't afford to give away your work when you're at starting that level. out. Yeah, yeah. You know, connections are great. Um, you can buy influence, um, you know, so to speak, in some way, but you still have to keep the lights on, and you can't afford to give away your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you're just starting out as a designer or as a creative person of some sort, you you tend to not have a book of business. So filling your time, trying to see what you can do out there just to be doing work, 
a lot of people really lean heavily on doing stuff for nonprofits, and I advise against that. And I know that there's going to be some some flack and some feedback from from that. Is yeah, don't send don't, the send the comments to me. Yeah, comment section below. Yeah, <laughs> uh, ictus marketing. <laughs> uh, the The reason I advise uh, people starting out to not do work for nonprofits is for two reasons. The first is if they're just starting out, their work is not going to be good enough for the nonprofit. And it's a real humble pie to take a bite from. And, and if you're not good enough for someone to pay you for your work, hmm. why would you want to donate your lack of skills to a company that needs your work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that helps a lot. And the second thing, uh, come right back to it, I'll make it quick, is that if the nonprofit is usually has no money, usually has volunteers, usually has people working for almost no money or, or no money, the expectation is that you're going to be doing the same. If you're just starting out, you do not have the financial capability to do that. So It's just not sustainable. Just not to, sus sustainable. Yeah. And it's not, you're not going to be able to do the work for them that, that they need. So instead of doing you know, 10 projects for 10 different nonprofits and doing a poor job for all of them. On all 10. On all 10, pick one of those nonprofits, do a phenomenal job for them, they'll yeah. be really happy, they'll get great results, and you'll have a killer piece for your portfolio that will go out there to get seen, rather than 10 lousy pieces that nobody's gonna care about. Okay. Or, yeah, or worse, you'll make, you'll be friends with 10 groups of people and you'll do poor work for all of them. So your reputation isn't, you're the guy who is selective, but does awesome work. You're the guy who does mediocre at best work, but you can get them for cheap. I mean, I don't think that's what you want to build your brand on either. Yeah, that gets back to the experience and what an experience says about a brand. So your brand becomes, this is the, the person that does mediocre work rather than the brand experience of, this is the person that does awesome work, right. does great work. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Nonprofits may hate you for it, but they do. Uh, yeah, that's that's still good advice. So, but you're you're not saying never work with nonprofits. You're saying work with nine for-profit companies um, that can pay you, that you're going to do a great job for, and one nonprofit company that you're also going to do a great job for. Yeah, or just you got to put it in perspective. You got to put it in balance because the problem with uh, people starting off, like we talked about, their their plate is empty, yeah. and it's easy to fill up on nonprofits. Yeah. Uh, because how does White Frog do it? Uh, we do a discount for nonprofits, but you do you have kind of a ratio that you work with, right? And so, you know, for every ten regular projects we close, we'll look at a project for a nonprofit. I see. If the nonprofit wants to pay market rates, we'll absolutely work with them, just like a regular client. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you know, my employees tend to not want their pay cut <laughs> uh, because they're working on a project that is. For X, Y, and Z yeah. nonprofit organization, um, they like to be paid the same year regardless. So now you're going to get phone calls from nonprofits saying, "Okay, are, have you reached your ten? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know we do have a waiting list, and, and yeah. uh, you know have happy to talk with them. We always do a consultation and give them some some advice of you know this is the direction we think you should go and um, type of people you should use to help you out to get there. But because in terms of engaging with them, we tend to be pretty selective with that. So for that person who's starting out that has an idea that wants to create something and sell something or provide a service because they're talented at it, um, you know, 
just to reiterate, your advice is to make sure that you do a great job for every client and not take so much work um, that you have to do a mediocre job for yes. lots of clients. Do phenomenal work and never underestimate the importance of client service and answering those emails and phone calls and being proactive with your communication. Yeah. It's easy to spread ourselves too thin because um, you don't want to say no when you're starting out. You want to say yes to everybody who is requesting your services. You're happy that they're requesting your services. You feel valued. So you just want to say yes uh, to everybody who comes knocking at your door, and it's really hard to not do that. So Matt, ictus is, the, the idea behind ictus is that it's a musical term for the point at which you change directions. Can you talk about a time in the past or maybe in the future uh, that you plan to change directions? When have you done that? The other day I was in a restaurant and walking to the uh, restroom and I was going into the restroom and I saw that it was the women's restroom. You so I switched stopped directions and right I went there. back to the men's That's room. So. Excellent example. I think the, the more uh, high-level question you're asking is uh, maybe a life decision. Uh, that happened... Uh, about five years ago when I decided that I, it was time for me to stop learning from other people and stop uh, operating under the safety net of working for a corporation and handing in a letter of resignation and jumping off to go get no pay but do the work that I wanted to do to be my own boss. And that is just... It's one of those things, uh, there's a quote from Mark Twain that says, uh, Samuel Clemens, I can't remember who, uh, Same <laughs> said, uh, the, the only way you know of what it's like to hold a cat from the tail is to hold a cat by the tail. Uh, uh, if you're ever going to go out there and set on your own, you, you, you never know what it's like until you actually just do it. Yeah. Uh, so I, you, you made a conscious decision to change directions. Yeah, left a... It's like, uh, you know, they say about parachuting, you know, it's, it's jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. Yeah. You know, I did that in terms of a career and couldn't be happier uh, personally, you know, with that decision, you know, once the overwhelming fear of what the hell did I just do <laughs> came into play. And it was a short-lived one, uh, but, you know, happy to be sitting in the presence of someone who is doing that with me, David. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he left a, a pretty good job with uh, a very stable government position and I, as I told him I'm happy that I could afford him the true entrepreneur experience of, <laughs> of getting to enjoy just working for work and, and not getting paid so much uh, yeah, or, or at all it's been great like, like we were saying it's, it's nice to be able to wake up and look forward to work know this is going to be a good day and have what I do actually be interesting and something that I appreciate um, you know where I was I was there five years and the first two or three were awesome learning experience but the last two I kind of just wanted to put my head through the wall every day because it was going nowhere and I just was hitting the wall figuratively and literally so being able to have that um, you know both that fear of when is the paycheck coming which is certainly um, a fun experience you should try <laughs> being able to have that plus um, just the experience of enjoying my work. It's its novel. It's work nice. is no longer a place you go. Work right. Is, work is what you do. It's something you do. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So you've both kind of, if I may, 
You've both taken the leap. Ah. The white frog leap. <laughs> the stroking leap. the eagles yes. there. Yeah. The eagles. <laughs> stroking the, the eagles. back to the eagles. Well, thank you We're guys. We're going to work that joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. Every time. Eagle stroking. Yeah. Um, thank e- you guys ego. for spending more time with me than I expected because we had to do this so many times. But, Let's uh, do this again. Yeah. A long this has been now. great. Yeah, yeah. for sure. How's well, tomorrow? Matt Leeds, tell people how they can connect with you. I Usually, you know, uh, walk by, give me a high five. That That's always appreciated. Um, whitefrog.org is probably the most efficient way. Uh, just go uh, pull up your favorite browser and go to www.whitefrog.org, and there's tons of information there. If you need help thinking, if you need... Uh, if you need a process that works, White Frog is Creative services are uh, our forte. So, yeah. uh, you know, we work with all sorts of industries, all sorts of shapes, sizes, and uh, everything from people, you know, one person starting up in their garage to Fortune 100 companies. You know, we've had clients along the entire spectrum. And if you want to connect with me, you can go to ictusmarketing.com. Um, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave a review, good, bad, or indifferent. I want to learn from you. I want to get your feedback. Uh, let me know what you think of the show. And tell me what kinds of topics you'd like to hear in the future. If you, if you have someone that you think I should interview for the show, uh, it would be a lot of fun for me to meet them. That's how this interview came about. So, uh, yeah, leave a review. Tell me what you think. Ictusmarketing.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll conclude there. Bye for now. Bye, audience. That's not how the story goes. When do heroes play it safe? Got a job and a family home, not a single golden egg, and a pocket full of possum to the teeth. Hey ho, Jack, when will you plant them magic? Tell me, Jack, what scared you so, made you hide those beans and run? Did you hear the rumors, oh, of the feet by Bowen Farm? Were you frightened of the things you just might see? Hey ho, Jack, oh, if you plan.
Throw them out your window Go to sleep and when you wake Things will happen Things you never dared to dream But they won't happen unless you plan them magic